You're listening to Cross the Line 1524, the common man's podcast. But I came here for just one drink. It's Cross the Line 1524. Join us at the Rusted Nail Speakeasy with a glass of bourbon, table 12, as the guys sit around and discuss distilleries, common day events, or whatever comes to the bar top. That's right. Cross the line, 1524. All right, so welcome to Cross the Line, 1524. I'm Alan Stanger with... Dwayne Bischoff. Jeff Montag. Mike Gardner. Scotty Burba. You notice what they did? They brushed right over it, so we didn't have a chance to speak up for ourselves. That's right. Whatever. Let's do this again. I'm Alan Stanger with... Dwayne Bischoff. And we are... The the 15 side. side. There we go. (laughs) Now you can, Jeff. Jeff Montag. (laughs) Mike Gardner. Scotty Bourbon. The adopted one. (laughs) (laughs) At least we can see him over the bar top. That's true. (laughs) So for our new listeners, the reason we are 1524 is... Dwayne and I grew up in Dearborn County, and uh, Jeff, and it used to be Reuben, and Mike Gardner grew up in Franklin County, which are adjoining counties, uh, and literally, we were just across the line from each other. We went to different schools, we're high school rivals, now we're friends sitting at a speakeasy bar, so that's where 1524 comes from, so I'm sure there's some new listeners that are like, what the heck's up with 1524? Yeah, well, so the numbers are the designate for alphabetically, if you go down the list of counties in the state of Indiana, Franklin County would be the 24th county listed. Correct. And, and we go off when we were going to school, because now, obviously, I live in Franklin County, so... Right. I'd be a, 70, which is across the line. It's You're way across you're the way line. Across the the line. county <laughs> line is still... You're across the line Franklin in the county. tracks and the river and... <laughs> but but it, I found... I talked to Doc... Uh, but you couldn't cross the line from Dearborn County to hit that county. Yeah. No. True. Well, right. no. Yeah. 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 So you... But I talked to Phil from Texas. He figured out where he's from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 69. <laughs> 70's just one more than 69. Uh, oh, boy. Ah, uh, good old Phil from Texas. I got to tell on Phil. So... <laughs> Uh, he's working out of town. He's down in Elizabethtown, Kentucky right now, down by Bardstown. Bardstown. So the other night, we get home on Friday night, and I hadn't seen him because, you know, I went straight to shop after work. We get home about 1030, and his truck wasn't here. So I get up to go to Old Man's Breakfast, and I look out, and his truck's here. So I'm like, oh, yeah, he made it home. So I get up. It's, I'm up early for Old Man's, so I'm going to go check on the chickens. It's still dark. I can get in there and water them, feed them. They don't mess with me. As I walk out, I'm like, truck's running. <laughs> <laughs> so Phil was snoozing in his truck. So I, I tap on the window. He's like, huh? He says, well, I was watching this YouTube thing and fell asleep. So uh, well, He made it home. That's he made, a yeah, long drive from yeah. Texas. I don't know if he might have came home and went back out. I don't know. You know, so I don't, don't ask. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, exactly. yeah, he's old enough to take care of himself. Yeah, right. so. so guys, I... So a couple of weeks ago, there was a thing about um, petrified dung. You remember that, Jeff? <laughs> I did. Yeah. We had all kind of jokes about it, but they found some petrified cave Viking dung. Viking dung. Viking yeah. Dung. Well, I can beat that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
A box of giraffe feces was seized at the border from a woman who planned to make necklaces with it. Ew. Did you say giraffe? Giraffe feces. I want to ask a question. The passenger also stated that in the past she had used moose feces at her home. Why? A box of draft feces was confiscated and destroyed by U.S. Customs and Border Protection after a woman brought it back from a trip to Kenya and planned to make necklaces out of the excrement. Uh, The woman obtained the fecal matter when she was on a trip to Kenya and was returning back on September 29th. She was randomly selected by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection agricultural specialist for inspection in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, the passenger, the passenger, the passenger declared giraffe feces and stated she had obtained the droppings in Kenya and planned to make a necklace. I wonder what the tax is on giraffe poop. <laughs> Agricultural specialist subsequently seized a box of giraffe droppings and destroyed it via steam sterilization. A box of feces. <laughs> Oh, I just, there's not a whole lot you can say about that. That's some crappy jewelry. (laughs) So there's a, according to the U.S. Border Patrol, there is a real danger in bringing fecal matter into the U.S. Uh, If a person had entered the U.S. and had not declared these items, there's a high possibility a person could have contracted a disease from the jewelry and developed serious health issues. It's actually possible to bring animal feces into the United States for but certain why? species. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, it doesn't matter as long as you obtain a permit. Now, I don't know why, why? you want to do that. <laughs> what form do you fill out for that? I don't know. I know. Where is that on the declaration form? I haven't seen anything where it says poop. <laughs> because she declared it was a pos- in possession of it, she won't face any sanctions. If she had not declared it, it could have been up to a $1,000 fine. Uh, you could have had I just, parasites in it or something. Did you happen? Well, yeah. Did you happen to Google giraffe jewelry, giraffe poop jewelry to see? I think what? she was making it for herself. But what would you do with it? I mean, I'm. I just. I'm. Keep men do, away. <laughs> it'll. It'll I mean, be I'm, a fad for I've you. I've been now. around some people that must have been wearing shit like that because that's what. But I just don't. I mean, what? What is the? I, where's the fashion statement there? I mean, it's like. Hey. You I know? guess whatever, whatever you do, you I do me. Just stay away from me on that one. Keep your <laughs> keep your keep jewelry your away from me. <laughs> crazy, crazy. So did you guys hear that NASA uh, brought back samples of an asteroid? Uh-oh. I did. Yeah, uh, they came back what about two weeks ago? I think uh, the, the yeah. samples made it back. This is where science fiction horror movies come from. Wait till you hear this. NASA is struggling to open its asteroid sample container. This is this is how the bad movies go down in space. <laughs> the scientists have collected rock and dust from the outside of the canisters, but the bulk of the sample remains stuck inside. Uh, the pristine samples came from an asteroid. Uh, they landed on Earth about a month ago while enclosed within a tight capsule. Uh, the sample canister was designed to keep the main chunk of the asteroid safe during its journey through space, but now teams at NASA's Johnson Space Center are struggling to open it and get the rocks out. <laughs> for the past week, the curation team for the Orisis Rex mission has been having a hard time o- opening that TAGSAM head, around sampler head on the end of the 
articulate arm of the spacecraft that was used to grab the sample from the asteroid. Um, that's where the bulk of the sample is. Therefore, um, they'd be able to handle it with, with gloves, blah, blah, blah. After multiple attempts at removal, the team discovered that two of the 35 fasteners on the head could not be removed with the current tools approved for use on the glove box. The team has been working to develop and implement new approaches to extract the material inside the head while continuing to keep the sample safe and pristine. So, so bring it to the shop. Pete, I'll get Pete it open. Blaster, <laughs> blow a blowtorch will open anything. <laughs> So when the aluminum lid to the sample canister was first removed, the mission team found black dust and debris on the avionics deck of the canister. Um, uh, the first look at those samples collected from the outside, the uh, only problem is that the great problem that we found a lot more samples than we were anticipating before even getting into the canister. So apparently they were able to find a lot of stuff. Um, goes on and on they're still trying to get in so they got this big canister asteroid sample yeah you know that's when they pop it open that's when the alien pops pops out out. man that's i mean really that's that's i don't know how many bases of sci-fi horror films start that way okay so get this so you know sometimes we can listen and we can research at the same time right so (laughs) Dwayne. No, I saw this earlier. Did you see it earlier? But I was going to leave it alone until now. But now, since we're talking about outer space and NASA, just uh, the day I was reading, (laughs) Channel 12 had the last time humans walked on the moon was during the Apollo 17 mission in 1972. 50 years later, that mission is still helping scientists make discoveries about our moon and its formation. When I clicked on the comments, the very first comment. Reuben Hunt? <laughs> 50 years later, and it's still a lie. It never happened, and we don't have the technology to do it today. And then it went on from there. People were commenting. and But I was just, I thought of this podcast in Little Ruby. <laughs> yeah. Where's so Ruby? Where's Little Chief? Chief at? He yeah. in there anyway? Yeah, he'd be no, in there too. I didn't see him in there. Yeah. So it was just funny. <laughs> Yeah. And he got into a heated with a few people, but we'll just leave it at that. Was it really Ruben? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Jerry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he made he made a couple comments that, that and it, there was other people that are on his uh, they're on his side on it, but it was just funny. The, that was the first comment, which it does pick people you know and put yeah. them up at the top. Yeah. But it was just funny. So here you go. So there's been a lot of talk about AI recently, and AI writing people's books or writing their essays or songs making music art what have you so we've got uh, a team at the university of chicago created nightshade to protect ideas and content from ai uh so uh it says from hollywood's strikes to digital portraits ai's potential to steal creative work and how to stop it has dominated the tech conversation in 2023 the latest effort to protect artists and their creation is nightshade a tool allowing artists to add undetectable pixels into their work that could corrupt the ai's training data nightshade's creation comes as a major 
as major companies like OpenAI and Meta face lawsuits for copyright infringement and stealing personal works without compensation. University of Chicago professor Ben Zhao and his team created Nightshade, which is currently being peer-reviewed in an effort to put some of the power back in artists' hands. They tested it on recent stable diffusion models and an AI they personally built from scratch. Nightshade essentially works as a poison, altering how a machine learning model produces content and what that finished product looks like. For example, it could make an AI system interpret a prompt for a handbag as a toaster or show an image of a cat instead of the requested dog. The same goes for similar prompts like puppy or wolf. So it's kind of cool. So they put these pixels in and it confuses the AI. It's almost like changing the genetic of the art. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that the AI gets the wrong genetic code right. and mixes it up, which is kind of interesting because I think AI, there's, a, there's so many problems with AI and how it could be used as they indicated for. Well, it's already, I mean, there's articles sure. already on the web that are AI generated. The whole article is, right. and it's, I, th- I, I thought about if I had, didn't have nothing else to do, if I had more time, there's a one news or one article place I read. It's independent journalists are turning in their things. Well, they're allowing AI generated articles. So I thought about creating articles that, and you, you can sway it however you want and see how many they would publish. If I tried to sway it a certain way and pick my own, my motive ahead of time, what I'm trying to do and have AI write it and turn it in. And you say it was written by AI because they're already publishing them and see how many would get published yeah, based between, on bogus. Between AI and deep fake video technology, you don't, we're not going to know what's real and not, what's right. not real. It's, it's, right. yeah, well, it's, and it's on scary. the AI, there's already, I was listening to, I don't remember, 700 or something, but there's, a, there's AI lawsuits now that artists right. have already filed lawsuits against the AI companies because they're already making money off of using their songs right. to create a new song based on whatever, based on Alabama's songwriting style. AI generates a song that sounds like an Alabama song. Well, similar too, right? And but based on their style of music, so it just creates one. So these artists are suing the AI generating companies for they want some of the bank, you know, some of the money that they're right. you know, they're going right. to generate. Which I don't blame them. Crazy, crazy. I mean, to me, that's that we're if if it's allowed to go as it is, we're going to lose art and music. Because it's going to be yeah, just, I, I don't it's going disagree. to be generic. I'm more, I'm really more concerned with the whole deep fake video stuff. I mean, yeah. I've seen yeah. stuff out there right now that you cannot tell it's no. not the real person. Um, I mean, you can mislead this whole country. Sure. Oh, sure. you can start a war. Yeah. yeah, you could, you could really start a war with the wrong video being yeah. played. That's a, a danger to say the least. So let's take a break. Come back. Uh, we'll lighten things up a little bit. Although we can start talking about Ruben. <laughs> in the moon landing. Sorry, Ruben. Oh, so we'll be right back with Cross the Line, 1524. Well, if you're looking to learn more about the bourbon country in probably the most unorthodox way you've ever heard it, you need to listen to Two Shots on a Barrel podcast. You can join the Bow Brothers, a couple of longtime goofy radio DJs from Kentucky, 
and learn more about what makes the heart of bourbon country so famous. You can listen to the Bow Brothers as they look to interview experts in the bourbon industry and other things that are truly unique to Central Kentucky, like wineries, craft breweries, caves, kayaking, you name it. It's Two Shots on a Barrel podcast with the Bow Brothers. You can find it on all of the major podcast platforms. Two Shots on a Barrel. You can learn more about Kentucky, only the way the Bow Brothers can bring it, on Two Shots on a Barrel podcast. Well, it's that time. It's time to talk about one of our favorite sponsors, Batesville Liquor Co. in Batesville, Indiana, and Tebby Liquor in Brookville, Indiana. they got some special events coming up. Mark your calendars now for Thursday, December 14th from 5.30 to 7.30. You're going to get to meet Alan Henderson in person, former Indiana University basketball star, former NBA star, now has his own line of spirits, Tom Bullock's. He's got Tom Bullock's Burn Orange Bourbon and Tom Bullock's Old Tom Gin with Sweet Lime. That's right. He's going to be live in person at Batesville Liquor Co. on Thursday, December 14th from 5.30 to 7.30. And across the line, 1524 crew will be there as well to do an interview. It's going to be a great time. Also, in November, November 10th, it's a Friday night. It's Batesville Ladies Night at Batesville Liquor Co. from 5 to 7. Ladies, you don't want to miss it. At Tebby Liquors in Brookville, Indiana, for the rest of the year, they've got bucket drop gift sets. That's right, gift sets. You know, it's bucket drops, got a little bit of everything you need there. They've got gift sets of allocated store pick bourbons. You enter your name in person, uh, and they get a chance to win a gift set can't beat that. It includes Blanton's, Eagle Rare, E.H. Taylor, the good stuff. Both stores will have Small Business Saturday. That's on November 25th in both Batesville and Brookville, Indiana. They will have Buffalo Trace on that day. That's right, Buffalo Trace, while supplies last, limit one per person. That's what's happening the rest of the year. At one of our favorite sponsors, Batesville Liquor Co. in Batesville, Indiana, and Tebby Liquor in Brookville, Indiana. Stop out, say hi to them, grab some great liquors, beers, wines, you name it, they've got it, and tell them to cross the line, 1524 Crew sent you. Gilman Home Centers with 15 locations and growing. And it's the fall of the year. That's right. You may need some leaf rakes or maybe leaf bags. Or maybe it's time to split that pile of wood and you need to rent a log splitter because you know what? The winters are coming. Are you a hunter? Gilman Home Centers also offers hunting licenses along with fishing licenses. That's right. Gilman's Home Centers, your one-stop shop for all your home improvement needs. All right, we're back here across the line, 1524, and off air, we were talking about a couple of things. One of them this past week, uh, I believe it was a JetBlue yep. jet, uh, was unloading, and some people always say, well, why do you need to know how much I weigh when I get on a plane? How come I can't set just wherever I want when the plane's empty? Well, you're going to hear why. As they were unloading, their weight got distributed the wrong way, and the plane actually lifted from the plane came up off the ground and it sat on its tail as they were trying to unload oops whoops man 
That's a scary. That'd wake you up. Yeah, that would wake you up. Crazy. And you probably can't just say, all right, everybody move to the front because then it would slam <laughs> back down to the ground. So it was probably an ordeal to get that back down to the ground. Yeah. Safely. Um, that would have been a flight to Benno. So speaking of like flights, vacations, so an Airbnb tenant from hell has been living rent-free in a luxury home for 540 days and refuses to leave. How? Well, you're going to find out. So I'm going to preface this by saying this happened in California. There you go. There you go. Sorry, California listeners. (laughs) Elizabeth, well, it's going to play into what's going on here. Uh, Elizabeth, so if you have an Airbnb in California, you might want to listen up. Uh, Elizabeth Horshorn's Airbnb stay at an L.A. property owned by Sasha Jovenigic was supposed to end in April of 22. But she says that she has a legal right to stay there. Uh, she's been living rent-free in the guest house of a luxury home for more than a year and a half. Um, it was supposed to end in April, but she refused to move out unless the host pays her a relocation fee of $100,000, <laughs> according to a settlement offer reviewed by the, uh, this, this is by the Los Angeles Times wrote this article. The reason for the bizarre situation is the Los Angeles housing laws. A judge has ruled that Jovenant has no legal reason to evict Hershorn from the home located in the Crestview Hills neighborhood of Brentwood due to the city's rent stabilization laws. The city recently introduced the Just Cause Ordinance, which requires a landlord to have a legal reason to evict a tenant or else pay for the relocation assistance. Oh, my God. That's crazy. That is crazy. Um, How about a legal reason like they aren't paying me freaking rent? Well, no. What they're saying is if you you have to pay their relocation assistance. That's That's where the catch is. Wow. This uh, the attorney told the Times that Hirschborn was not required to pay rent because the home had never officially been approved for occupancy by the city and claimed it shower was built without a permit. Um, although this, she has no problem using the shower. Yeah, yeah. Um, the tenant's been called the tenant from hell. If she's right, the theory is that if the landlord has something that isn't permitted, you can stay in the house rent free forever. I'd fix that problem like I the dude. Too. Well, there was a dude that, um, that it's, and he's made a, he has a, a forum or whatever on how to do this. His parents' home or somebody's home, he was went to check on it, and someone had moved it's in. Like squatters. Yeah, the squatters had moved in, and they refused to leave. He went and did everything he could to get them out. They told him, sorry, there's nothing you could do. So he watched the house, waited till they left, and he moved in. Well, he... Uh, one of them I saw, he got a lease from his mom for like a dollar a month. Yeah. A legal contract that said that, you know, this is, you know, I, I'm the regular. Well, he moved I'm in. The, I don't know if that was part of it. That was his excuse, but he moved in with him and basically right. forced him out. I'd do the same thing with that one. I'd move in. I'd be the worst. Eat their food. <laughs> I'd be the worst roommate. You talk about jewelry you wouldn't be able to be wearing. I'd be wearing some jewelry you wouldn't want to see. <laughs> I mean, forget, it, forget that giraffe. Forget yeah. that giraffe doo doo jewelry. There'd be some jewelry being worn. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this goes on and on about the whole deal, and it's a bunch of BS, quite honestly. But it's even, I mean, our 
our rent laws are written for the renter, not the landlord, even right. around here. Yeah. It's three months to get someone out of a house. And if you get people that know the law, they pay for rent, rent three, four months a year, and they live the rest of the year for free. And they know there's nothing you're going to do. It's crazy. So don't. Unless you have your lease written, there's a new way. I know there's a new way to. Mike's shaking his head. There's a new. When you do a new rental, there's a different way to write your uh, your lease out. True. That helps that problem. Well, I think you have to, if you lived in L.A. County, you just wouldn't want to do it. Right. No. Right. Or make sure you get your permit for your shower. So it goes on to say that they tried to do repairs in the house. The lady wouldn't let them in. Just all kind of stuff. Oh, just, I'd be in. It's crazy. Crazy. She's got to leave sooner or later for something. I'd be just, I'd move in. Don't know. It's rent-free. I'd find some bums to move. Exactly. (laughs) So who here has ridden on a train, likes to travel on a train? I've ridden. I've ridden, but I would like traveling. Like Connorsville to Metamora. Exactly. There you go. So check this out. Dubai. It's just broke ground on an underwater train. Connecting continents and revolutionizing trade. Uh, what could go wrong? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Dubai, they come up with some pretty cool stuff. So according well, they got the money, they yeah. Do. So it's going to work by uh, the technique of installing two curved concrete floating tubes in the ocean, which will be tight to prevent any damage inside. These tubes will be attached to pontoons yeah. for stability. Stability with four tubes for the train to go through back and forth. Uh, be able to go from Dubai to India in less than two hours. Um, it'll also be able to enhance export and import capabilities by f- facilitating faster trade routes. Um, Does that not have to go around a continent? It's Dubai. Where's Dubai? I don't know. I always thought Dubai was like on the east coast of the North African continent. Maybe not. Yeah, Maybe I don't know. Yeah, Got to look it up. Get that handheld thingy out, Jeff. That's crazy. Yep. <laughs> Think about that. Get in, We can take a train underwater. Well, the, oh but you got to go to Dubai to do it. I guess the good and the bad is they got the money to do it. And if it don't work, oh, well. Yeah, exactly. The, whatever, you know. So how is it that they have all this money? I, I really don't know. Is there oil? It's is it oil. oil money? Oh, yeah. It's oil money. Energy money? I mean, I've seen the photos of the the impound lots that are full of Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Bugattis, all the fancy cars that are just sitting there full of dust and just sitting there rotting. You know, million dollars worth of cars just sitting there rotting. So we don't have any listeners from Dubai that I know of, so we can't ask them. Yeah. But I know it's a real, people are, it's like a rich country. Stupidly rich. But I imagine there's probably stupidly poor too. So actually Dubai is on the Persian Gulf. So it is on the other side of the North African continent, and makes more sense. Yeah, Southern Arabia. Yeah, don't know, never been there, but have no interest to go there. Nope. I don't know that I do either. Quite honestly, probably can't afford to go there. Probably not. What else? You you got something else for us? Anything to do with the Persian Gulf? I, I don't think so. I got one. You're you're, the wise man. You know you you. What's the one thing you get complained that you forget about stuff? You know, things are told. The, the cure for this, according to the study, 
Sexual satisfaction may be the key to delaying onset of dementia and memory loss. <laughs> Table 12? Table 12? Table 12. Annoying is. <laughs> the, one time 12. the one time they weren't listening to what we're saying. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know Bev might if she's grinning. I don't know if she heard it or not. I can, this could, I think, be the, this yeah. could be the title of this podcast. <laughs> I, think, I think I just heard something over there that says, bullshit. <laughs> Hey, it's a study. Hey, it goes both ways. It's not just for the guys. That's, That's right. true. That's true. We're just thinking of them. Exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, Scotty for the win. <laughs> <laughs> could a passionate night in bed also boost your brain health later in life? There's a growing body of evidence that sexual satisfaction among older adults may delay or even prevent cognitive decline. So, so I'm older. So those times when you get told something and then you forget, why do you forget? It's not your fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> you tried. There's a cure. <laughs> they are. That's a little clearer over there. That time. Oh, but there is data. There's data analyzed. That it was a 10-year study. So I don't know how. How who who volunteered for that study? But it was a ten-year study. Oh, sir! Uh, uh, so to do the study, they'd have to have people that didn't have it lackers for ten years for and people that did. I feel sorry for the people that didn't. Yeah, thirty-three point five percent the individuals de developed cognitive impairment. So there was sixty-nine point five percent that were getting busy with it. Sixty-nine. <laughs> Actually, that is. Sorry, uh, it's just a study. I didn't do it. So. But that was just a funny one I saw. That is that, that I is. had to bring up. We are in the onset of that. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? <laughs> of the age part group of it. He's still a newlywed. He's not. Oh yeah, I forgot. I <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Don't know what you're talking about. Let's see. What else do I have here? I have. This is some good news. So a, a month after a pig heart transplant, a man still has not rejected it. So this is be the longest somebody survived with a... I thought they were quit doing that. When they started again. It's the second person to receive a transplanted heart from a pig. Um, so he's had it for uh, since September 20th. Still got it. He's in rehab right now. Um, and uh, the pig heart signs shows no sign of rejection. So this hap they did this earlier, and years earlier, and um, the guy died, and they found pig disease in the guy. And I remember all this happening. So I remember when it happened. I just don't remember why, but yeah, yeah. So what they're saying is that uh, hopefully one day this could compensate for the huge shortage of human organ donors. Uh, there's almost 100,000 people on the nation's list for transplant. Most are waiting kidneys, and thousands will die as they're waiting. So, well, that's why I wonder if this one, since I mean we haven't heard about this, if this person was kind of a no other option, you know? Yeah, you're, yeah. You're so, on the list. You're not going to get one. Well, he wasn't. Uh, he could. He wasn't available. He wasn't allowed to get other transplant because of other health issues. 
So this was an alternative, a yeah. kind of an only alternative. Yeah, Lawrence Fawcett was dying from heart failure and ineligible for a traditional heart transplant because of other health problems. Um, so he was offered this highly experimental surgery. Um, so last year they performed the world's first transplant of a heart from a genetic, genetically altered pig into a dying human. Uh, the, he, he survived two months before the heart failed. The reasons weren't uh, uh, completely clear, although signs of a pig virus were later found inside the organ. Lessons from that first experiment led to changes before the second try, including better virus testing. Um, so apparently they altered the pigs genetically to make them their organs more human-like. Is what I'm right. here. So well, I guess in they, the in the pig, the closest they, the organ is the closest to ours anyway. They've been using pig valves for, for, a a for a long time. Valves for a long time. So this is actually using the pig organs. So it's kind of cutting edge stuff, you know. Some of those horror movies, you say the guy's got pig's head, so maybe that's. Just, I mean, his heart's know. working good, but his nose is all roughed up from all the from all the root. root. <laughs> well, hopefully, this works out. And he can't, for this guy, and he can't so. sit in the back of the plane. He got to sit up front. Oh goodness! So, you guys got anything else? This is kind of a fun little podcast here. Nothing real heavy. Except, you know, Ruben, Ruben, you know, <laughs> talking about the moon landing never happening. So Carrick did, uh, so Carrick, of course, messages me every week. So he said, hey, after listening to the last podcast, which was a revisit to the history of Halloween, he goes, you guys should revisit all the bourbons that you and, and cocktails you used to try compared to what, and compare them to how you would like them now. Because you're oh, that's a good, good idea, and that is a really good idea. Yeah, it is. It means we have to drink more. <laughs> yeah. Darn it! I'm in. <laughs> Darn it! We'll have to pick a night that's not a school night. That's yeah, true. that's true. True. Oh goodness! So, so um, this weekend's your last weekend for this Halloween thing yes. at Metamore, right? So yes, that's, that's over. By the time this podcast comes out, that's, yeah, that's, that's all, all done. By the time the podcast with. comes out, so the next thing up for Metamore is uh, Christmas walk. Christmas walk, yeah. So also this week, on notes to almost everybody, uh, tomorrow night there will be a Fox 19 News uh, little blurb about Metamore. Nice. Um, um, Allison Montoya from Fox 19 contacted us, and she came down last Friday, did a bunch of interviews, and actually I did the video for him to use for the train. Because it was raining Friday, so I took it Saturday. Uh, and she's also agreed to come back and do a big uh, um, session about the uh, funding for the canal and the canal boat and all oh, that. So great. Made a great contact there. and a great person. So um, looking forward to seeing how this Thursday's comes out and, and then yep. doing one about this fundraising efforts for the, the boat. It's a good way to get the information out. I mean, yeah, that's, you got you to yeah. get it out however yeah. you can. And quite honestly, I'm tired of the naysayers. You know, they say, oh, it won't be done, can't be done. Well, with that attitude, it won't be. Right. So I'm moving forward, and we're going to get things done. Another gentleman down there, he owns the Martindale house. He's made contact with the Indianapolis station, so we're going to, you know, double, double, double up and get Indianapolis station, get Cincinnati stations, and – it's exciting stuff. Yep. Team up. Yeah. Team up. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Whatever you set your mind to, you 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 just got to s- decide you're gonna do it and do it. Yeah. Don't don't 
what is it? Somebody said, uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day. He doesn't have goals. He has, um, I can't remember the word he used for it. It's, he doesn't set goals for it. He sets what he's going to do. That's, I'm the same way. So it's not, I'm going to try to reach it. No, this is what I'm going to do. And it, there was a study that they talked about it. They, they were testing mice. How long can a mice swim in water before it drowns? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. That was on a yeah. That was on a podcast. We heard. Yeah, we, it was, we but but it, it's like 15 minutes, or whatever the number is. It's like 15 minutes. But if at the last 20 seconds you pull that mouse out, you dry it off, you let it rest, and you you know get it all warmed up, and you and then put it back into water, how long do you think that mouse will swim after that? Yeah, 15 like, minutes almost like, killed it. It's it like exponential, like an hour. Oh uh, no, no, it was like, like days. It's like 60 hours. Really? Yeah, wow. because it th- it knows it's going to get it, rescued. It yeah. thinks wow. there's it, a shot. It was giving yeah. up before because right. it didn't think it had a shot in its mind. It got rescued before. It's going to get. So rescued it thinks again. I'm going to get rescued again. So it can push yourself beyond what you <laughs> think you can do. So it's kind of that way with setting goals. It's just don't set a goal. Just decide what you're going to do. Yeah, I mean with Metamore, we've been up there a fair amount here canal days we've been up you know here for the halloween stuff the halloween weekends i guess not so much later in the evening but that's when it gets crazy it's it's, um no i'm you know we are happily surprised i guess impressed with what seems to be a that little historic town coming back yeah the trend it is it really is is. it's been a group effort a lot of people you know, it's just there's opportunity there for growth, and yep. a lot of people are working on it. So, good stuff. It is. I've, I've got a new goal. What's that? I, improve my memory. <laughs> <laughs> just do it, Scotty. Do it. <laughs> okay. With that, with that, I'm Alan Stanger with Dwayne Bischoff. Jeff Monte. My Gardner. Scotty Bourbon. <laughs> Cable 12. <laughs> and we'll see y'all next time. Hey, friends, it's your old buddy Rick Garrett. Each week I have the pleasure of hosting the Experience Franklin County, Indiana podcast, where we look at the people, places, and events that make Franklin County such an amazing place to work, visit, or live. Join us each week on the Experience Franklin County, Indiana podcast, available on your favorite podcast provider. You know what? It's time for a day trip. That's right, a day trip to historic Metamora, Indiana, where you can visit the Sap Bucket, a general store, gift shop, and snack bar located on Main Street in beautiful, historic Metamora, Indiana. Check out the only operational wooden aqueduct in the United States, a water-powered grist mill, and many antique shops, craft vendors, food shops. It's a great place to visit. Hop in your car, take a day trip. That's right. You can check out more information about The Sap Bucket at thesapbucket.com or Metamore Indiana at metamoreindiana.com. Hope to see you soon. You've been listening to Cross the Line 1524 with all the guys, whether we're at the Rusted Nail Speakeasy or out on the road. You know we always have a great time. Hey, check out our webpage at www.
CrossTheLine1524.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Check out Podcast 1524 on Twitter and CrossTheLine15/24 on Facebook. Give me one before you kick me out the door.